0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Blacking It Up, Citizen Radio, Media Matters, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains math, so don't go saying that no one ever told you it would be there.
1: I'm scared. What happened? The Supreme Court is is supposed to revisit affirmative action.
2: Um. Really? Yeah. Oh Boring.
1: The uh, the court announced on Tuesday that it has agreed to hear a challenge to the University of Texas affirmative action program.
2: Yeah, and it's and so it's it, and it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing, uh, this, 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 uh, cause, because, okay, this, this particular case comes down, uh, uh, because, uh, Texas, and by the way, yeah, we're blaming you, Texas. Um, the discussion comes down because there was a, a student claimed that she was not uh, accepted into the, uh, University of Texas, which is a state school, uh, and because she's white, because she's white. And so the school, uh, currently has a rule that 10%, the top 10%, if you do, uh, if you're in the top 10% of your school and you live in the state of Texas, you are accepted into, whatchamallet, the program. Uh-huh. Uh, and then outside of that, outside of the top 10%, then race is allowed to play a role in um, in admissions. Well, race, grades, all that other stuff can play a role. But the top 10%, you get in, right? So apparently, this young lady was not a part of the top 10%. And then she didn't get in. And so she's claiming that, uh, that the, uh, that using race is the reason why. Now, there was already a case where, uh, this was actually, uh, uh, talked about on the, um, on the Supreme Court, and they found it that it was reasonable that state schools can do this. Uh-huh. They are now saying that that's not fair. And, this is becoming problematic but one everyone's like this is, everyone's really nervous about this because one this it's we have a conservative court uh one one person's already recused themselves, and there's there's a solid chance that this would just they, they will they will strike this down uh and this will become a bigger story because like some states don't allow like California doesn't allow race to play a role into getting into schools like that, but some states do, and it's it's bringing up the whole concept of affirmative action again, and I'm starting to grow weary. Of having to explain why affirmative action is important, it's it's a thing where it's like everyone keeps talking about how uh, we have to be equal. There needs to be equality, but then no one mm-hmm. acknowledges why these things are created in the first place because not, there's no there isn't quite the equality that you speak of. And I don't know how do you go about this. How do you, like, how, what's the discussion to have at this point? Because if, like, you, if you don't get why, and, and Christian Lander actually made a very interesting point. Um, like, say, so stuff like, would be like, I just saw him because we performed together. Uh, he said that in order to create equality, because they said, how do you fix all this stuff? He goes, in order to create equality and to fix the problems, there would have to be sacrifices. And white people are not prepared to sacrifice. <laughs> hmm. I did, because by the way, this young lady did not go to college because of this. She went to the University of Louisiana. But she's like, no, I did not get it, no, and 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 that's that. So, what do you, how do you clearly have this discussion? And I believe te- isn't t- uh, Texas where they had the crazy uh, bake sale where the affirmative action bake sale, yeah, yeah, where uh, once more the whole concept was, uh, oh, if you're black, then the, the the cake is a quarter, but if you're white, the cake is five dollars or something right. like that, which is just not. That's not how affirmative action works. And I feel like people genuinely don't get it. I've said it before. I used it on a, on an episode of Black on this week in Blackness when I was trying to explain why there's a need for affirmative action. Like I said, you have imagine a race, imagine a race, and then they say go and they shoot off the starting pistol, and then everyone starts running. I'm sorry. Let's rephrase that. White straight males start running (laughs) and they take off and they are out. And you cannot move because apparently you're probably slowed down by your slavery chains and or your vagina. So you can't really run very well. You're not apparently (laughs) very fast, but the the white dudes are just off. And so in order to try to fix this thing, because that's what happened in this country. (laughs) Let's be clear on what happened. That's exactly what happened. So to fix this, they are trying to figure out ways to help people, how to move people forward, how to fix decades, centuries of inequality within the country. How do you fix this? How do you go about doing this? Or do you just let it ride and go, whatever, it'll fix itself? (laughs) You, it, it'll it'll fix it. It'll 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 even out at some point
1: because the market will fit.
2: free The market, the free, free, free market will totally fix. Yeah, yeah. shut up.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I really, I really. It's, it's. What are you supposed to do with this? I don't. I, I do sometimes it's kind of like I I when I read I was like really we're we're actually going to really because because obviously this uh, people are being people are being discriminated, lives are being yeah. destroyed destroyed destroyed. Because you know that whole that whole uh, all all all, all of your your pesky ethnicities. Because apparently vaginas and ethnicities are very heavy. Well, minority my, my, minority ethnicities. I
3: wouldn't mind finding out what percentage of people think what percentage of the country is black or brown. I think that uh, there are a handful of people that just assume that the country is maybe forty five percent black people, fifty six percent black people. <laughs> <laughs> you the, the way they're fighting for they're fighting so ferociously for their freedoms and for the, the the end of affirmative action and to get their kids in the college and the struggles right seventy seventy four percent African American because apparently
2: are. with the test the test uh with the uh, the way they're uh, doing the admissions it allows for uh oh, the top ten percent rule uh I believe they it was twenty one percent black and brown uh black and Hispanic they said uh with the tw- with the with the ruling in Texas. And then with the with the affirmative action it went up to 26%. Wow. Hope.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: they oh, wow. yeah, yeah, 26%. So like look at the math, but that's too much because 21% is fine. 21% is fine. Uh I and they, and they were talking about this like and we're about to be a, a state where it's not even it's not even uh what you call it. Uh, uh 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 we're not even the majority anymore. So then, why are you the majority at the school? I don't understand. <laughs> if the problem, if if, majority, if, you're, if you're literally one of the, the arguments, majority at the school right.
1: should be the majority should reflect they, the population. They then. literally
2: yeah. made the argument. We're not even going to be the majority anymore. So why is this? Why are these rules involved, uh, 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 in in place?
1: Probably in place because if the majority matched the population, then. Then that's that's it fixing itself but because it's Texas. Can't,
2: Isn't there a large Hispanic but, population in Texas? But
1: since you can't fix yourself, then we have to create laws so that it can be fixed.
2: Let's talk about you. Yeah, well, I'm not amused, Eljoy.
1: Because if it was fixed, then you wouldn't.
2: I'm not amused, El Joy.
4: This is from Color Lines. Um, the Supreme Court recently agreed to review the lower court's decision in Fisher v. University of Texas, and now all bets may be off for the future of affirmative action in higher education. What? Um, so, this is a big story that's been sort of circulating on the Twitter sphere about how. In 2003, Sandra Day O'Connor actually wrote in a 5-4 majority decision that um, in 25 years, the use of race in university admissions should no longer be necessary. And it looks like the Supreme Court is really taking that statement to heart
5: is that because she thought that by 2013 we would have all molded into one super race
4: yeah well i mean a lot of people think that obviously she didn't mean that as like a concrete date to get rid of affirmative action um but it looks like now that especially the supreme court is tilted to the right uh or i should say skewed uh severely to the right that this could actually happen. It's
5: severely conservative. <laughs> it's
4: severely conservative as Mitt Romney might say. So uh, this obviously is a, a big one to watch because it would affect um you know millions and millions of people.
5: Well, I mean, do we need to go over again why affirmative action is so important?
4: So sure. Um affirmative action is important because of something called institutionalized racism. Oh.
5: I was going to say because white people get black friends and then the black friends help them like dress cool and like play basketball and
4: no these are um racial stereotypes that you are listing no yes very much so not all black people are good at basketball
5: oh so now now who hates black people allison i tried to pay them a compliment and you think they're a bunch of uh, clumsy bad dressers
4: no, I I think a percentage are good at basketball. Hold on. And a, snappy dressers. If
5: affirmative action mm-hmm. is not the legalized way to get a black friend, then I set you up for a tangent that I know nothing about. What is affirmative action right. actually?
4: So affirmative action exists because, um, we have official policies in, in this country and some aren't official. Some just exist sort of in a wink, wink, nudge, nudge way where people of color, uh, are not privy to the privileges that white people are, are, have access to. So for example, uh, a recent, thing that happened in this country mortgages um white people got you know good mortgages with and this isn't all white people by the way some poor people got the bad mortgages too so poor white people but a majority some bad
5: basketball players is what she means <laughs>
4: But a majority of people uh, that got these subprime toxic mortgages that had these crazy adjustable rates and ended up costing more than the house itself were people of color. Um, now, why did that happen? Well, it's part of this institutionalized racism where it's like, people of color just get the crap end of the deal. And it's like, here's another example. So the SATs are a big reason that people, if you score well in the SATs, you go to a good university. Well, how do you score well in the SATs? Well, naturally gifted people score well in the SATs, but people who are, can afford to take SAT classes also perform better on the SATs. Who can afford to take SAT classes? Well, uh, a majority of them are white people of privilege. So, If you're in the inner city and you're someone, you're a person of color, and you can't afford those after-school classes because you have to work a job to help your family afford to eat, chances are you're not going to perform as well on the SATs. Well, they
5: also have a, a chance to go just as far, if not farther, where it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so let's say, because what lots of white people will say is like, you know, well, if the if the white guy scored higher. Then he scored higher. Right. That's, but it's like, but just imagine the, the, the counter argument to that would be, right. But let's say the black person finished second, right. With no training. Right. Then imagine how far he can go yeah. with actual training.
4: Yeah. It's all about access. It's all about privilege. So affirmative action exists to help people of lesser means, usually people of color, um, to level the playing field where it's like, Hey, you came up uh, in a really rough area. You didn't have access to SAT classes. You didn't have access to good schools. It was
5: harder for you to come this far and do well as it is.
4: So we're going to help level the playing field by having, uh, admission standards that say you need to have, um, this many amount of African American and Asian and Hispanic and white students. um, and this has turned out to be very controversial in the way that it's implemented sometimes. Um, but it was liberals way of perhaps sometimes clumsily trying to make amends for horrendous systematic um, you know tearing of our our culture in save, america save, yeah stemming save. from slavery i mean we had hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery and we've been dealing with the consequences of that ever since where you know african americans and now we have um hispanic uh the the children of hispanic immigrants who just simply don't have as much access and resources as um white americans yeah
5: it's a little hard to study for the sats when you're afraid of being deported at every step right dude fucking uh someone tweeted me apparently schumer is gonna fucking bring in jan brewer to new york fuck yeah liberal uh charles schumer to testify about the positives Mm -hmm. of their bill it's
4: my girl i'm gonna go and i'm gonna hold up a sign that says i love jan i heart jan
5: but seriously, for anyone who thinks Chuck Schumer, because just because he has the word Democrat uh, underneath his fucking... yeah, no, I mean,
4: people call him the senator from Wall Street. He, that's how he raises most of his money. He just goes and he the the biggest...
5: But, you know, I mean, me and a lot of people who started listening to this show who maybe weren't that involved politically or didn't know much, it's like you see the dude that has the D underneath their name and you vote for him because you think... That's the, the right choice, you know. Yeah, he's
4: also made some horrific comments while defending Israel. Um,
5: oh, he's the worst.
4: So anyway, the reason this Supreme Court decision is super important is because... Just ask yourself this question. Do we still have racism in this country? Yes. Do we still have discrimination in this country? Yes. So we still need affirmative action. Right. Um, so
5: pick up your basketballs.
4: What? Stop Jamie. giving me that fucking
5: look. So I'm just saying... If you're upset about racism... Is this because just of your ADD? Take it out on the court.
4: Is this part of the ADD? Racial stereotyping? Anyone
5: who has listened to Citizen Radio and has heard me start five stories in ten seconds
4: mm-hmm.
5: knows but I But I'm just ADD. asking,
4: is this part of the ADD? Racial stereotypes. I mean, of course it is. Now, it's still being a jerk. No, it's...
5: I'm done. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. According to the Associated Press, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has issued a permit allowing a Native American tribe in Wyoming to kill two bald eagles for religious purposes. Even though federal regulations allow for such permits to be available, Rush Limbaugh took to the airwaves to decry the decision and assigned ulterior motives to the Obama administration. What Obama wants is to establish separate laws depending
6: on which tribe or which race you belong to. And the Constitution doesn't do that. And the Declaration of Independence doesn't do that. You, th- th- this is all part of Obama's disdain for the Constitution. Obama, ladies and gentlemen, looks at the Constitution as rich white man's law.
5: The Supreme Court considers Indian tribes to be, quote, domestic dependent nations, distinguishable from foreign nations and from states in the Union.
7: right, there's a conservative group in Tennessee that's pushing this legislation called uh, Putting Tennessee First. And what they want to do is they want to make sure that they limit the amount of foreign workers in charter schools in Tennessee, right? And they want to limit the number of workers to about 3.5% of the staff in each charter school. Now, they're saying that they're doing this because they want to prevent extremist ideology in these public schools. They're worried about Muslims, okay? They're worried about uh, extremists.
8: Okay, it's, this is so funny on so many uh, different levels. Number one, yeah, Muslims are on the precipice of taking over Tennessee. I know. Okay, so if you don't limit them at any moment, the entire state of Tennessee could become Muslim. Okay, second of all, what, all em- immigrants by their nature have extremist ideology? Okay, who came up with that?
7: By the way, another wrinkle to the story it doesn't matter if they're here legally or illegally. They just want each school to have only 3.5% staff uh, as foreign uh, workers. That's it.
8: Even if you are a documented immigrant, who is a person who wants to educate people? Who's a good person, a teacher, right? right? Like, and and even if you're like you're Irish, right? <laughs> you came over from wherever, like right? from Ireland. They're like, on the other hand, if we get, we're over the quota of three and a half percent, if we give you the job here, Muslims might take over the state. Right. <laughs> and we were thinking of putting Tennessee third, but we decided no. Let's put Tennessee first. Okay. So we can no longer give you a job.
7: Unbelievable, man! It takes so much time and energy to be this hateful. Like to sit in a room and think up this crazy legislation. You are pathetic. That is so sad.
8: And the other sad thing about this is the paranoia. You know, they've been convinced by all this anti-immigrant fervor, whether it's against Mexicans or Muslims, that like, oh my God, my life—it's going to get taken. No, dude, your life has nothing to do with Mexicans and Muslims. Go get a job. Do what you're going to do. Go get an education. You'll be all right. You'll be fine, okay. And go take a load off. Go to the movies. Get some popcorn. You're going to be fine, okay. But instead, they're like they're in a like a cold sweat. They're like, oh, the Muslims are coming. The Muslims are coming, and they're going to teach our kids. <laughs> Which, by the way, if they did, if the Muslims came, and the biggest problem was that they became teachers, I don't think that'd be such a bad thing. That's why I feel sorry for these clowns.
7: I know. You know, they I...
8: live in this weird paranoid existence that's filled with fear
7: but this is the consequence of having cable news networks like Fox honestly like I know that we make fun of them all the time and we do whatever we can to debunk some of the crazy things that they claim on their shows right but there are so many people out there Americans who don't have the time or the resources to do like extensive research on what's going on in this country and as a result you know those little snippets that they get from Fox News here and there become their reality and they think that, you know, the Muslims are really out to get us. That I is know. a scary existence.
3: What drives a man to lock his doors and bar his windows tight? To leave his lights on time as so his house appears so bright? A ten-foot fence around his door and cameras on the walls. A fortress so secure that he can hardly get in at all. Fear is a villain when he grips you late at night. He'll catch you when your back is turned, he's watching you. Sing a song for beauty, sing a song for me, sing a song for flowers in bloom, for snow on a tree.
1: Stephen A. Smith, sing a song for who those is on, is he even he's on ESPN on 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 anymore?
3: Yeah, yeah he's, he's on, on the radio. He's I thought on the radio. he got
1: fired before. No, he
3: came back. He came back, yeah. he's back. They didn't get fired, suspended. they just, they, yeah, they told him to go screw himself for a bit and he's back now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I always find him hilarious because he yells. I was just like, can they just turn his isn't is His well,
3: entire career is based on him yelling.
2: Well, okay. Let's not let's not let's not crap on people who yell. I'm years. not. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes sometimes yelling is necessary. You don't
3: yell. You don't yell as much as you think, Elon.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I, I have my I have my moments, <laughs> and I acknowledge that. But continue, ma'am.
1: Yeah. So, um, he, you know, in this whole uh, had a conversation well, yes. with some co-host about because- the sensitivity issue or racial insens- insensitivity regarding um, Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lynn.
2: Uh, yeah, because apparently it's, it's become a thing and they, and ESPN even got into a, a bit of hot, uh, water because they posted the title, Chink in the Armor! Yeah. Uh, and thought that was what was hot in the streets, which it is not. And so they got questioned. They had that someone got suspended, someone got fired, and all this stuff. So then the ESPN anchors were having a discussion on the sensitivity of, I guess, like, the news at the moment. And, and Stephen A. Smith decided, and by the way, we are clear here that like we, we're familiar with some of the Stephen A. Smith commentary of the past. He is not someone who I agree with almost ever, and he is a big loudmouth. Let's just be honest about that up front. So it's not like we are shocked by uh, the fact that he would say something stupid. Not shocked. Aaron, you, you pay attention to sports a lot more. Are you shocked by Stephen A. Smith saying something I don't,
3: dumb? I don't listen to what he says anymore.
2: Because he, he says a lot of problematic things. And so he decided on ESPN to have this conversation.
3: Is a part
9: of the Jeremy Lin story that wasn't exactly mm. feel good. ESPN became part of the story over the weekend when a headline writer was fired for using the phrase chink in the armor to describe the Knicks' first loss in the Jeremy Lin era. An ESPN anchor was suspended 30 days for using the same phrase. Two points of clarification here. The writer claims that it was an honest mistake and the anchor says that, insists in fact, that uh, the offending word was unintentional. He has apologized. Stephen A., you believe there is a bigger issue at play here. What's the point you want to (sighs) make? Well first of all, I'm not...
2: Well first of all, before he makes his bigger point, understand that he volunteered this. It wasn't even like, like, apparently he wanted, like, he had spoken about it before. He had told them he wanted to say something. So, this is something very deliberate. He decided this needed to be
9: said. Just for clarity. I'm not going to comment about, you know, what our employers decide to do. We work for them. It's not our place to do that. You know, I mean, when they let me go, when they didn't renew my contract a few years ago, I didn't comment about me. So, I'm certainly right. not going to comment about anybody else. Let me say this, though. <laughs> At some point in time, the black community has to recognize that we share a level of culpability in any kind of incident like that that transpires. Wait, what? What?
2: What? Like, what? What? The because because the thing is that like as Aaron knows we don't discuss sports here on the show because I don't give a rat's ass uh so so this is the, probably something like, like that I wouldn't even get into like we only got into on uh, insanity was because of all of the ridiculous racial commentary that uh came out of that but right. all of a sudden he evokes the black community and guess mm-hmm. what we're a part of the black mm-hmm. community, so I feel like it's like hey hey apparently we have some blame in what just happened yeah. well, with the, the ridiculousness when, with
1: uh Jeremy Lin? So when at, when he first started talking about it, like his words mm-hmm. come out, I was like, oh, he's going to talk about how the black community should stand up right. when other people because are a, being racially it, insensitive when to is, other groups. When and there we are issues should, of all people, yeah. we
2: should understand because we've had so much That's said where about I thought us. he
1: was going right. with not, it. Right. Wait, that's right. not where he's going with that? No. no. Ma'am, oh,
9: no. because the heightened sensitivity that exists in our society today, we are in large part I mean, we have a lot to do with that.
2: Uh, So apparently uh, the fact that people were like, hey, you guys are
9: saying a lot of racist nonsense is black people's fault. Got it. As my man Skip Bayless and I have talked about over the years, there's never an excuse for somebody in a very derogatory fashion, especially to use the N-word. There's just no excuse for it. No excuse. We understand what it means. We understand the historical perspective of that. Right. Right. But there are a multitude of other things that we have classified as racially insensitive. Mm-hmm. Some of the leaders in the black community have done so. And I'm not sitting there and calling them out as if they were wrong. I understand whether you're a Reverend Al Sharpton or Reverend Jesse Jackson. I was just with Maxine Waters, representative out okay, of California. Wait, w- w-
1: w- why are you just, how well, do you he, just throw people?
2: Well, first of I all, I was just
1: with. Right. Maxine well, Waters well, first all, like, he was, like, he's yeah. like, I'm not
2: calling anybody out, but then I'm gonna call some people out. And then he was like, and then I was, I was hanging out with Maxine Waters. I love I was her. Just with the, I was just because with her. It was that is like the equivalent of saying my best friends are black. It's like because he's trying to hedge the fact that he's about to say something idiotic. It is like literally. By the way, that whole uh uh using race or, or something as a as a hedge is not something that uh, only white people do. Other races, like when they say my best friend's black, oh, I have a black kid. Nope. I married a, whi- a black woman. Oh, no, no, no. So black people do it too. All races can pull this up. Right. So cool. He <laughs> he decided that he needed to to put up his his black shield for his comment yeah, right now.
3: Let him let him talk. He has a single valid point here and all this that you will listen to. He has a single valid point.
9: Four uh, years ago, who I love dearly, the issues that they fought, they grew up in a different time. They lived in a different time. And there's a level of sensitivity that they harbor because they know what it means. And they've experienced some of the things people of my generation have not. Right. However, However, that heightened level of sensitivity has had a contagious effect on other communities. So suddenly everybody is sensitive about a lot of different things because they're saying, well, if the black community gets to be ultra sensitive about anything that could be perceived as race, we may not even be sure. We might think it. And because of that, it becomes something that, 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 that generates a shrapnel of criticism and controversy and ultimately we're touching on it in such a fashion. Then you have people from the white community speaking up and saying, wait a minute, what about what we find offensive? Mm-hmm. All right, you have people from the Hispanic community. What about what we find offensive? But, now you've got folks from the Asian community. What about what we find offensive? But, but if it's
1: offensive... So apparently...
7: But apparently, as
2: Negroes, we were really annoyed when people would say dumb things about us. And so then we would be like, hey, stop saying dumb things about us. And so now, because we've created the rule of, hey, you shouldn't say dumb things about us, apparently that rule spreads to other uh, groups and ethnicities. And
1: other people get to go, tell people, hey, don't say dumb don't things say about Don't say dumb things about me. me. Yeah. yeah, and so apparently, because of black be, people. Don't say racially insensitive. How about just don't say racially insensitive? Mm. Stuff, no matter no, who. No, listen.
2: Because it's not even that it is racially insensitive. It's that we think it is. Um, that's but like, but, but, it, but we, if we it, think it is because that's if, literally what racial insensitivity. It like at one point it wasn't racially insensitive to refer to that dude down the block as nigger. Because he's a nigger, like that was that at one point that wasn't, and then we thought it was racially insensitive. and then we pointed out that, hey, it's not times change, so when certain things aren't okay anymore, I'm not
1: and but he's just ranting
3: at this point Aaron yeah that, and, that's his that's his thing, but it's stupid, Aaron I
1: don't, that's
3: also his thing
1: I don't understand this this idea that somehow calling out racism for what it is is a privilege. Because that's what, that's what he's saying, is that we get to be sensitive about so
3: racism. Our misery is better than your misery. So right. you please so, shut so
1: yay, I get to wake up in the morning and, and t- tout my, my ability to call out racism over other groups of people.
3: Yeah. Fantastic. Are we going to listen to the whole thing or no?
1: No, no, wake up. Mm,
9: yeah. And the list goes on and on. And here's what has happened. We're in an unforgiving society now. Regardless of what you want to sit there and say, we don't have to talk about this incident or whatever. There are other instances in our lifetime, in America, where people have lost their jobs. They've lost their livelihoods. I'm on the record. I don't believe Jimmy the Greek should have been five years ago. I've always said that. Yeah. He was off the air. He was in a bar. He was inebriated. And somebody stuck a camera in front of his face. And because of that, 30 plus years of a career down the drain. I've only heard uh, bits and pieces
2: of the Jimmy the Greek story. Uh, and if, like, like, if that was the case, that he was in fact in a bar off the air, and then someone just started recording him as, uh, to ask him about something, and he made the commentary about the whole, uh, cause what, what, I believe what he got fired was because he was saying that, uh, blacks were so, uh, good at sports because of their, the fact that they were bred for, to be big and strong yeah uh, and that would be funny off the top of my head that doesn't immediately offend me no because of the no. fact I, it's like, like it's we fat. Ma- yeah we, we we make jokes about it all the time, like me and Aaron talk about our slave DNA uh because it's
3: I it's, thought that was that's how it worked in a way
2: i mean i mean they, they did look at us as cattle so they kind of uh bred us as such yep so i'm i wasn't terribly offended by the concept of that like i don't understand i don't know all of the uh parts of that but i could see that if that was the case like someone put a camera in his face yeah okay yeah that's right i, I maybe he shouldn't have been fired for that that
9: i don't have an issue with but he continues we're unforgiven and i'm looking at a black community and i'm saying We make up approximately 13 to 14 percent of the American population. Mm -hmm. Okay, you look at the Census Bureau reports. It says that by the year 2039, the black population will increase by one percent. The Hispanic population in this country will double. When you look at it from that standpoint, Mm -hmm. we're in danger of becoming an endangered species. What What the hell? hell?
1: I don't know how we got. What? Wait, I don't understand. What the hell does that follow. mean? I don't
3: think you guys are
2: familiar with so tra- <laughs>
1: like, it. He flavored it with census facts. Right, he threw like out a, a, a random like, census some facts, facts. Apparently
2: then, we're dying. We're dying off as a as a as a as a as a uh a group. Even though I mean, I don't know if he's familiar with the census, uh that the fact is that as as a population, America is constantly growing. And so if the population grows and we maintain our uh our percentage in the population, oh actually still rise a little bit, we might not be rising as fast as Hispanic communities, but we're actually still growing, hence not becoming extinct. That doesn't even I don't even that's like that's like that's literally just stupid. Like he's just saying stupid things on air and I, and he's apparently being paid for this Aaron. Like it's just idiocy.
3: I did, I hate I this is just what he does. So he's, he's paid for idiocy. Yeah, he says dumb things about sports as well. He's not the he's very loud and provocative him and Skip Bayless, the guy usually across from him in the But morning. this is <laughs> stupid.
9: Okay? So when you look at it from that perspective, you have to get to a point where you don't erase what you're sensitive to, okay? But you have to be forgiving from the standpoint of if somebody apologizes genuinely, let's try to be a bit more forgiven because if we're not, then other people are not going to be so forgiving when something goes down with them, whether it's the ethnic groups or whether it's the homosexual community and what they perceive as offensive. And suddenly people are losing their jobs, they're losing their careers, they're losing their ability to provide for their families and all of this stuff. And why? So, wait, 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 wait. So, the idea here is that
2: black people are super sensitive, and so now. Um, Everybody's super sensitive Super sensitive And so now black people Can be affected Because they can say things That are racially ignorant To other people And so now We'll be called out about it Because we called out Other people When they were racially ignorant It's important that you don't Follow
3: every single word (laughs) Stephen Smith says (laughs)
2: But, but, he's comp, but, but he's no, a cop. But he's a cop. Sir, this is, on na- this is on national television. This, this is on ESPN. This is, a, this is this is all legitimate. It's not like he was. It's not like we put a camera in his face when he was drunk at a bar and he started rambling on. That's not. That's not what happened. He was on television with makeup on, so I'm assuming he knew the camera was about to be on, Aaron.
3: Maybe he doesn't understand the history of the actual slur chink. That it's actually a rather old known slur Sir. from many so many years ago. And, and then he's. he's in, and,
1: and then he's like, you know, we, people shouldn't lose their livelihoods and, you know, they should not lose their jobs from them. Mis- it's just like Look, those, uh, are consequences those are consequences of making a mistake. Yeah. And
2: especially within this public sphere like this and, and when you're on television and stuff like that, part of it is that your job is commentary. And if your commentary becomes uh, 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 problematic because of things that you have said other places, all of a sudden your commentary is no longer good there. So you aren't really good at your job.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't if you're na- if you're you na- if your, if your commentary is now you can't
2: poisoned by crazy stuff because you might have said before, mm.
3: I mm. I didn't know we'd be listening to Stephen A. Smith. This incredible detail he just says things because
9: he's on national sir. We I, gotta be careful his, because of, about it's coming. An my biggest issue compassion. with all this, you can say what you want about me. I sit on these airwaves across from my man here, and we call it like we see it. But it is rare in the day when somebody can look in my face and tell me there's an absence of compassion that I want somebody's career to be over, that I want somebody to lose their job or their ability to provide for their family because of a mistake. Hmm. And it emanates from a level of sensitivity that we harbor that, dare I say, sometimes is just not justified the mm-hmm. n-word that's flagrant we know what that is yep. particularly when it's white on black because of historical right. context you know not to do that C words all, some the c-word is also flagrant white community it, and other communities it's, where black folks classify something as a racial issue that i quite honestly don't find justified and that's got to change
10: that's what i want to here we say. go strong it is strong that that is big and insightful of you to acknowledge. And- yes! So,
2: here's the thing. So, after all that dope nonsense no. that we just listened to, no. and we're all sitting here no. going, that's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. That oh, is stupid. No. And Whatever. Then, the dude, what, the white dude, at the end goes that was amazingly insightful white people are at home going oh, my, god, my god that was so deep you're right the black people totally were too sensitive and now we have to figure out and change how we do all these things <laughs> he totally went now off I side have side. to
1: watch what I say because you people are being oh. over sensitive being
2: oversensitive, right and you're right oh. that is what I'm telling you that was the magic part when and all
1: <laughs> of the like he he's gonna use random statistics and facts and stuff um, from census and just throw it in his argument but doesn't use an example no, because he doesn't use an example right. about how the black community was oversensitive right. about a particular issue. Right. He didn't use any <laughs> any uh, example at all right. for us to be like, okay, maybe I can understand that. No, no there was talking. no example. He's just saying, dare I say, we've been oversensitive. Strong. In what aspect? Strong tell me, manning hard. Tell me how we've been... Uh, uh, Oversensitive about something, and how dare he? And saying that um, him basically saying, "Oh well, using the n word is something separate." But you know, but Ch- uh, how dare he say to Asian Americans right. that uh, chink is the mean, same thing? Yeah,
2: uh, nigger, nigger. That's I mean, that, that, that's all. You can't say nigger. Like fall back, don't like, walk away from nigger.
1: But chink. I mean, we from no. that. No. And so did you see
2: cartoons?
11: No. No, no, no.
2: Sometimes you, know, you don't remember back in the day, like on Warner Brothers yeah. and t- oh. They totally said chink, right?
6: It's the Onion Radio News. An affable anti-Semite thinks the Jews are doing a super job with the media. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Henry McCullers, a lifelong resident of Plano, Texas, and affable anti-Semite praised the Jewish people today for doing a, quote, bang-up job running the media and show business. The 47-year-old sheet metal worker made his remarks over breakfast at Jesse's Diner. Well, this has been such a great year for movies, saying the new crop of fall TV shows looks like one of the best in years. Uh, Oh, yeah, and the cable news channels are doing a terrific job, too. McCullers added that despite the fact there is no coverage of the Jewish stranglehold on world finance, it's sort of understandable, considering, well, you know. Oil resin for the onion.
8: On Fox News, Sean Hannity is going to make the point that my God, the new Black Panther Party is so important. They're gigantic. They're coming for all white people, and of course, who's behind this? Obviously, President Obama. So uh, let's watch him first scare the bejesus out of people. Clipping. There is
6: stunning audio of new Black Panther Party leaders advocating violence in response to Trayvon's death. Listen to this.
9: You're on name Black Power Radio. I'm Sean Quali. Give me your
11: question to comment, Black Power. Black Power, Brother Sean. This is Sister Michelle, Chief of Staff for Tampa, St. Petersburg, Chapter of Black 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 power Black I just want to say to all the listeners that on this phone call if you are having any doubt about getting suited, booted, and armed up for this race war that we end, that has never ended, let me tell you something. The things that's about to happen to these hunkies, these crackers, these pigs, these pink people, these purple people it has been long overdue if you if you can you better give your soul to god right now and get your and fight for yourself and fight for what you know this is this is this is an all-in race war that has been launched against the black race that has been going on since they brought our ancestors over on them godflakes yeah. that they laid in on them slave ships. So just, just just know that this fight has never ended against us. The only thing that these honkers have done was tolerate us.
9: Yeah, but what she said was right. We got to suit up and boot up. We got to suit up and boot up and get prepared. For the
8: war that we're in. All right, so they got them. We got a bunch of uh, black folks in this country, uh, in this new Black Panther Party, who are talking about race wars against pink people. Okay, now do we also have white people uh, who believe that there should also be a race war? Of course we do. In fact, this uh, centered around this, at least this segment is for on Hannity's program, around the Trayvon Martin case, and the Nazis are also down in Sanford, Florida, and they also want a race war. Now, we could run Nazi tapes all day long on this show and be like, look at white people trying to kill all black people in this country. Are you scared yet? Now, from time to time when an official does it, or when a legislator does it, or when some powerful person in the media does it, we share it with you. But we don't take this rinky-dink Nazi party and play their tapes all day long and pretend they speak for white people in their entirety, or even for pink people. That would be ridiculous. But of course, that's Fox News for you. Look, look at these black people. Oh my God. But it's okay. Because Sean Hannity is going to bring on two black people that are his friends on this panel. And shockingly enough, they're going to agree with them. Huh. Well, let, they're David Webb and Denine Borelli. So here comes Danine bro
11: now, this is absolutely outrageous, the way they are inciting this situation, Sean. They are getting away with this hate speech and inciting violence. But you know what? There are race-based concerns with President Obama, Eric Holder, and, and, and their involvement with the Black Panther movement. And there is a, there's a pattern here. 2007, Obama spoke with the Black Panthers there's, while he was running for election. There's a picture of to, that, by the yes, way. Yes, there's a photo.
6: With uh, Malik Zulu uh, Shabazz. That's right.
11: And then yep. in 2008, the, the Department of Justice did Not fully press charges against the ones who were intimidating voters in Philadelphia. They got off. Here's here's
8: she starts out perfectly fine. Hey, you know what? Those comments are outrageous. Of course they are outrageous. They're ridiculous. And then what does she do? Uh, Well, of course it's uh, Obama and Eric Holder. Wait a minute. What did they have to do with the new Black Panther Party? No, in 2007 they spoke together. So I looked into it. How did they speak together? Turns out that they were commemorating Selma Alabama an important uh, part of civil rights history in this country. President at the time, Senator Obama happened to be there, and someone from a uh, Black Panther party, not necessarily those guys you just heard, happened to also be at the same event also celebrating civil rights. Ladies and gentlemen, they got him. Did they hold hands? Did they take a picture together? No, we even looked for the picture. We couldn't find any picture Were they at the same event? Yes. But look, you can go to your local grocery store and if a neo-Nazi is there or a Black Panther Party guy is there, does that mean? You, well, you were at the Wegmans at the same time. Oh my God, you were at Ralphs at the same time as a new Black Panther Party. Now, what, what was he? Or Senator Obama at the time was supposed to do? Go kick the guys out? How oh, dare you grab him by the ear and throw them out? Look, they're commemorating Selma. Anyway, but this is what Fox News does. Their whole job is smear. President Obama and Eric Holder in any way you like. Now the amazing thing is, they got so much stuff on Eric Holder. He didn't go after the banks. He's destroyed civil liberties, but they love that. So they never touch that. Instead, they create these fictional arguments to uh, go after them with. And who are you going to do it with? Well, of course you got to bring on black people to do it so that Henry go, oh, "I didn't say it. Some of my best friends who happen to be black said it." All right, here she goes again. Uh, Danine Burrell. Bloodshed, uh, you know, Red Sea, Red Sea of
6: blood. The white Caucasian, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, sometimes brown-eyed Caucasian, walking around with a, a demonic mindset. You know, I mean, it's, this is all insanity, yeah, and I horrible. just want to know where the police are. Where's, where's Eric Holder? they are
11: absolutely right. And I write about this in my book, Black Lash, so this no, sure is color-coded justice, the way I'm looking at it. I call the Department of Justice today as the Department of Joke, because they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They are selectively going after who they think, and it's all political. It is all political, because President Obama cannot run on his record, and so what we're witnessing now is the race relations being ginned up in our country, and it's a very dangerous is to play.
8: I know. The race relation problem is not in uh, Sean Hannity playing those tapes and trying to convince his o- audience that black people are coming to get them and that it's all Obama and Holder's fault. No, the race problems are apparently being created by Eric Holder and Barack Obama. A black commentator said it, it must be true. Okay? Now, uh, she's not alone. David Webb is going to join in in this absurdity. There is,
6: throughout all of these tapes, racism. And anti Semitism. Where is this coming from?
2: It's coming from a place that hates America for what it is, that hates anyone who's not like them. That's why I say we've got to deal with them for what they are. Domestic terrorists,
6: yes, this is hate. Their narrative is race and hate to divide us. This administration wants to
2: coalesce the black vote around Obama. They fear that people might make judgments for themselves. And the race hustlers that we've talked about and the narrative is all to drive this.
8: Oh, will you look at that! Another black gentleman that happens to be totally agree with Sean Hannity, the guy who did the bombing at Planned Parenthood. He's not a domestic terrorist, but a guy who said something wrong on radio, and it was outrageous what they said. They're terrorists, okay? And it's all Obama's fault, and he's the one driving all of this, even though he has nothing to do with the Black Panther Party at all. But you know, it reminded me of what uh, John Derbyshire, the conservative who got fired the other day, wrote. Because he wrote about how to be racist, he this is the uh, lessons that apparently he taught his kids, and he did it without a hint of irony. And he said, you know, if you're in a crowd with black uh, people, run away right away. Uh, anytime uh, black people are less intelligent, uh, anytime they're around, make sure you leave immediately, even though you pretend to be polite to them. And it went on and on. But I remember this quote that really stuck out for me. He said, in that pool of 40 million, referring to the 40 million African Americans in this country, there are nonetheless many intelligent and well socialized blacks. You should consciously seek opportunities to make friends with those guys. In addition to the ordinary pleasures of friendship, you will gain an amulet against potentially career destroying accusations of prejudice. You see, there we had a rare moment of honesty where a conservative tells you why they want to use these black people and what they use them for. Find the few intelligent blacks, put them on your panel, Sean Hannity, and have them attack other blacks, and then go, what, what? I have the immunity item. I have my black friends who said it. I didn't say it. This is conservative 101.
10: It's Bill O'Reilly. We're going to talk about the race rating that's been going on. This is a clip from uh, 2010. Now, I, I remember when this first came on Bill O'Reilly's show, I played it on this show, and we played it on uh, Left, Right, and Ridiculous, the live show, and uh, it's... It kind of shows you, uh, well, first of all, you need to know a little background, see, because blacks have always complained that they're uh, targeted by law enforcement. The criminal justice system is inherently racist, which, you know, if you look at incarceration rates, it's way uh, disproportionately represented by mm. minorities in the prison system, right? So um, blacks make up about 12 percent of the population. So you would think they would make up about 12 percent of all arrests, right? Which would be consistent with their numbers in the population. But blacks don't make up 12% of the arrests. In fact, 29% of all people arrested in America are black. So they are disproportionately by double represented in the arrest statistics, not alone, let alone the incarceration statistics, right? But you need to use Fox News race-baiting math, and you can turn those numbers upside down on their head and make whites out to be the oppressed people in America, and blacks a bunch of finger-pointing whiners who need to shut up. Think I'm kidding? Let's watch. Bill O'Reilly, do a little math. All right, let me let me throw some stats at you and see how this is going to play out,
6: okay? Um, crime. Um, this is an amazing stat. 28% of those incarcerated are black. But... Arrested. Arrested, I should say. A black. Sixty-nine percent are white. So whites dominate the arrest sheets far more than their population. You always hear the cops are picking on the African-Americans, but whites
12: are arrested way higher than African-Americans but he's not saying as a percentage <laughs> no. of he's
10: completely that those statistics are meaningless unless you give the percentage of blacks and whites in the population blacks make up a, a little over 12% of the population and they are arrested 28% of people arrested are black so they're disproportionately by
12: double and the the real number to me would be the percentage of those arrested compared to those convicted Oh, sure. In the incarceration rates right. are even worse is what
10: you're talking about. Yes.
12: Well, because if if people are being falsely arrested, you need to compare them to how many are actually being convicted because, you know, you shouldn't discount somebody that actually commits a crime is arrested and convicted.
10: Per 100,000 African-Americans in America, a uh, little over 3000, uh, 3000 of them are in prison. Uh, for for every 100,000 whites, uh, a little under 500 of them are in prison. So they are disproportionately represented in the uh, prison system. So that's what you're saying, right?
12: No. What I, what, oh, what, what, how come no, I keep misunderstanding no, you? No. What I'm saying is, is you need to know whether – to find out whether or not people are being unnecessarily arrested,
3: mm-hmm.
12: you should compare – how many people are arrested but not convicted because that is indicative of an so, unnecessary arrest
10: so you're saying that um you can just o- because somebody's convicted right. doesn't mean they are unfairly convicted right but what so what you're uh, but you, what you're saying is that i would say that those numbers actually represent uh an inherent racism in the in the prison system you would say not uh i would say a,
12: a better number to look at would be would be that that other number so if
10: someone is um because, because someone is frivolously arrested right. and then frivolously uh convicted that wouldn't show up in your statistic right you're saying that if someone's frivolously arrested that they will be let go
12: and they're not well what's also hard to to say is you know people that are economically disadvantaged are going to have to commit crimes sometimes to survive so you're saying so 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 some of those people that are convicted um You know, it may not be for a dangerous crime. It may be just be because they were trying to survive. So
6: but also like a lot of um, um, probably from the statistics, a disproportionate amount of black people are arrested for actual crimes that are also committed. By white people who are not arrested. Right. In other words, drugs. That's, that so in other the- words, way more, pe- more way more black people got busted for smoking crack than f- frat guys who did coke. Right. You know, white
10: frat guys doing coke in their dorm room. You're, you're talking about another hidden uh, co- racism in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. which is selective enforcement. Right, yes, right. That
12: I think is is a much right. more telling stat. I saw a. Uh, I was in Iowa one time and I was reading the front page of the newspaper. And there were two stories, completely unrelated. One was a white man had been uh, found guilty of molesting a child and received, uh, I want to say like a year in prison and then like probation. A black man had been caught smoking crack and was given 10 years in prison.
10: Well, and so what what is happening here is Bill is pretending not to understand how math works or statistics work in order – To confuse his own viewers into what this is, a very subtle form of race baiting. He's saying those black people who complain about the injustices of our criminal justice system are just whiners. They're just complaining and whiners. In fact, 70% of the people who are arrested are white. Well, guess what? Whites make up almost 80% of the population, you knucklehead. That means that they're actually underrepresented. He should be ashamed of himself for
12: for (laughs) pulling out a statistic like that.
10: I mean, it's... I I think that they're beyond shame Uh, because here's Bill O'Reilly teaching a master class in the subtle art of race baiting. Once again, this is that was from 2010. This is from 2012. Once again, according to Bill O'Reilly and Fox News, the problem in the Trayvon Martin case it's not that the police department never arrested nor charged the crazed gun-toting vigilante who convicted a black kid for being black in his mind chased him down and gunned him dead that never that's never the problem with this case bill has another villain he wants to distract you with and would not you know it it's also his political enemies over at MSNBC and CNN
6: MSNBC and CNN to some extent have a vested interest in seeing Zimmerman punished because they've already found him guilty on the air. So they're not going to respect any verdict but guilty. Therefore, those entities will tell the American public that racial injustice has been done if there's not a conviction. And that could very well lead to violence, as we saw in the Rodney King case.
10: Yeah, because that's the one thing you can set your watch by. Whenever an unarmed black kid gets shot by a self appointed vigilante and gets set free, black people freak out. They take it the
12: wrong way. <laughs> they hate <laughs>
10: that. They really, really hate that. So, and it's like Bill saying, hey, What's the point of even having a trial if the liberal media is already convicted Zimmerman as being guilty, right? The police might as well save some time and money by not arresting him
12: and just prepare for the race riot. Mm-hmm. That's what Bill is saying. I think there's a tiny kernel of truth in what he's saying and that, yes, is, Zimmerman is being tried in, in the uh, public media right now. But what really needs to happen is the case needs to be opened and done thoroughly yes. and people need to be informed of why the decision was made not to arrest him
10: I don't think anybody you know Paul uh I I I hear what you're saying that when you say he's being tried in the media, I think what's happening is that facts are being revealed about this case in the media and people are being appropriately outraged about it. Yes. And then people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be outraged because we haven't had a trial yet. Well, the reason why people are outraged is because there isn't a trial. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's that an unusual is, case. You can't tell I think. people to stop convicting this guy in the media and wait for the trial if he hasn't been arrested yes. and there isn't a trial. He hasn't been arrested in the media yet. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs>
10: <laughs> so that's so this is why he continued this is this is just race baiting plain and simple. it's the it's a game of hey don't look at that look at this and, that, yeah, and it, that's
12: and that's the what happens when you don't uh arrest somebody yes is you're going to get both ends of the spectrum jumping to their conclusion. Yeah. Um, now, I happen to be on the left end of the spectrum who believes this guy is guilty, but I also believe he should be given a fair trial, and you shouldn't you have say... have to
6: arrest him first. You have to arrest him first. I
12: think yeah. that is such a red
10: herring and a straw man. People say that you have to wait for the mm. trial. You couldn't convict him in the media. There is no trial. That's what people are up, That's outraged what about. You get. And if people in the media weren't outraged about it, we wouldn't even know about this case. Well, yeah,
6: and so this guy shoots an unarmed black kid and bill o'reilly and he's not arrested and bill o'reilly's trying to convince everyone that there's been this great injustice on zimmerman zimmerman is the one who has this great injustice (laughs) yes Yes.
12: zimmerman zimmerman is now the victim yes yes well that's that's the mantra of fox news is that the status quo is the victim well Uh, you look at every single story that they do practically and it's you know corporate white america is being victimized Wealthy white America is being victimized. Well,
10: Paul, all I can say is leave it to the liberal media to become hysterical and pass judgment before all the facts have been swept under the rug.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So today I'm going to continue with part two of a three-part Commentary. In the first part in the previous episode, I talked about Mike Daisy and the Apple Factory and how his story about his trip to China to uh, learn about the conditions of workers who were putting together Apple products uh, resulted in him telling an incredibly powerful story that uh, drew some of its power from the fact that uh, bits of it were fabricated. This, of course, resulted in a huge loss of his personal credibility and the credibility of the movement, which he was so desperately trying to help. And so today, I'm going to continue this three-part commentary on the oversimplification of advocacy and the results of doing that. And so today, I'm going to talk in, in very broad strokes about the phenomenon of Coney 2012. So, Coney 2012 was a video posted on March 5th, 2012, and quickly became uh, the world's most popular viral video of all time, uh, and I don't think that that means that it has the most views of all time, but it was it was the uh, fastest growing single video of all time. So between YouTube and Vimeo, and I, I'm sure it's on other places, but between the, just those two, it's been seen uh, more than a hundred million times, which is especially impressive because it's 30 minutes long. And if you've ever tried to make a video and get people to watch it online, uh, you know that getting someone to watch something more than about two minutes long is, is quite a feat. And so in this video, as I talked about with uh, Mike Daisy and the Apple Factory, uh, I, I want to talk about the, the idea of propaganda. And again, it is not the type of propaganda that you think of when you think of the Nazis. It is not, you know, a, a giant government or, or a giant organization trying to uh, brainwash an entire populace to do terrible things or anything like that. Propaganda is is uh, the the messaging of a you know a very strong message, convincing a lot of people of. Anything good or bad, and uh, but it's, it especially taps in to the emotional psychology of people to get them to res- respond very strongly to that message. so Koning 2012 is simply one of the most masterful pieces of propaganda uh, ever created as evidenced by the fact that it was seen a hundred million times you know within uh, just a few uh, weeks of it being published. So the elements of of this uh, propaganda was that it had an absolutely uncomplicated bad guy, that you know the the world's most notorious war criminal uh, as listed by the United Nations. It had completely uncomplicated victims of this war criminal being uh, kidnapped children in Africa who had then been made to be uh, child soldiers. And then for the sake of western audiences there was uh, you know, an absolutely photogenic white bridge character uh, in not only the filmmaker himself, but also his incredibly cute, in, in the neighborhood of about five year, years old, five-year-old son, and uh, and then – Once the story of this war criminal was told, there were incredibly simple action items that everyone could take. You could sign their pledge, you could donate to their organization, and receive, you know, on a single or one uh, or 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 recurring basis, I'm sure, to help support their efforts and and receive an action kit, which would help you spread the word. Which is the the whole idea of their campaign was to make Kony famous, so that uh, you know politicians around the world would keep the pressure on to arrest him and then of course you would share the video which uh, obviously many many people did which is why it was seen by 100 million people and so it's it's very simple when, when laid out that way and if you watch the video all of the information I just gave is about all you would come away with if you are a little bit more politically in tune, you would have noticed that uh, that the most prominently displayed uh, United States politician was Senator James Inhofe. And if you're familiar with this show or progressive uh, politics in general, that name is probably familiar to you as, uh, as, as the, the country's biggest climate denier. And so, you know, so you're watching the video and you think, well... He's a moron in a lot of ways, obviously, but you know, I guess he can't be wrong about everything. You can kind of you can kind of let that go a little bit, but it should certainly be a red flag. But as, as more information came to light, it became clear that there was a strong connection between this nonprofit organization, uh, Invisible Children, and the secretive Christian slash political organization known as the Family, of which James Inhofe. Is a member. So more red flags. Of course, the family is very much involved with the quote unquote kill the gays bill in Uganda, which of course is the focus. Uganda is the focus of the Kony 2012 video. So you start to see that, you know, lots of really interesting red flag connections are being made. And then to go even further, there, you know, we get into all these issues of. Privilege that, that we've been talking about in, in recent episodes uh, here on this show, and then you get into the idea of white savior syndrome and echoes of colonization. And so, you know, what, what impact does it have to have, you know, millions of sort of middle-class white people suddenly interested in what's going on in Uganda? How do Ugandans react to that? Well, uh, when the video was played in Uganda... It was met with outrage. People were you know throwing things at the screen and so on. So you know once, once people had an opportunity to dig deeper into the de- details of the organization and the campaign, and then they got the, the word out about you know some of the, the murkier details, there was a major backlash which uh, I'm sure in no small part contributed to the filmmaker of Coney 12. Having a mental breakdown resulting in him running around his uh, hometown of San Diego naked, sort of clapping and shouting and doing lots of strange things, but I mean it doesn't quite matter what exactly he was doing because he was running around the streets naked and that's a that, that's about the threshold to uh, to decide that he was uh, having a, a bit of a mental break uh, regardless of his exact actions beyond that so claims are made that the whole thing is a scam and that the whole video was produced to get people to donate to their organization and enrich themselves. Uh, you know, and there were a few other uh, conspiracy theories. I don't even bother, you know, considering those. I don't bother doubting their authenticity. I think I, you know, I don't think they set out to perpetrate a scam, but I do think that it was completely overly simplistic and that it left out, you know, so many important details that in order for, anyone to trust an organization and and accept their message you really have to trust who they are and they didn't really talk about themselves very much or you know who they are or where their connections are or you know where they get their funding or you know any of those sorts of things that was all left out and so when those things came to light they were met with a huge backlash so so although i don't doubt their authenticity i do think it was overly simplistic and here is is what i will leave you with this is uh, six sentences that I read in the previous episode in part one of this commentary. Uh, it was, you know, th- these six sentences were not written about the trip to the Chinese Apple factories. They were also not written about Kony 2012. They are written about what I will be talking about in part three. So please come back and, and hear that. But uh, I, I will read them and reappropriate them as if they were written for Kony 2012 And they say, Kony 2012 will start a lot of good conversations. It might awaken compassion and concern. It will do good, but it will also start a lot of overly simplistic conversations. It is likely to inspire people to adopt inadequate solutions out of panic and expediency. It will do harm. And to me, that is absolutely what it comes down to because when you try to take an issue as unbelievably complicated as Interfering with, you know, the police state actions of African countries as first world, primarily white countries wanting to come in and selflessly do good, you cannot help but run into an unbelievable wall of, uh, of complications that this video tried to whitewash past, you know, and, and, and was met with the inevitable. So that is it for today please catch part three of this commentary when I'll wrap all of this up in, in, in the most recent and I think I think best example of, of what I've been talking about in, in these in these commentaries in the very next episode and until then I just want to thank a couple of members who helped support this show Tom H signed up on June 24th of last year as a socialist member going above and beyond uh, to uh, support the show signed up for a monthly membership and has stuck with the show since then and Carolyn W did the same thing signed up on June 15th also with a socialist uh, membership going above and beyond uh, monthly membership and has also stuck with the show so huge thanks to Tom and Carolyn and all of the members and donors who help keep the show going I could not do it without you everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like online I am putting all three parts of this commentary online as well and linking to those in the show notes so if you want to link just these commentaries uh, feel free to do that
11: up a picture that wasn't right. Bitch burning on a shining sheet. The only maker that you wanna meet. A dining man in a living room. The shadow bases the floor. They'll take you out any open door. This is not my life, it's just a fun fact. It's just a fun fact.